Orangefizz.net. All right, we're back on the FizzCast. Tim Leonard, Jonathan Hoppy, recording this Monday night after the game on Saturday, the Maryland Massacre. Do we, do we have a name for this yet? Whatever That's a good it was. One. The Maryland Massacre. We're going with that. And uh, I got to be honest, Top, it's Monday night. The game was Saturday at noon, literally the earliest game possible Saturday. And I'm still pretty much in shock here. We got a lot to talk about today. I'm sour. I'll break it down, but... I still just can't believe what happened on Saturday. Well, I've got good news for you. What's that? Because I need it. You're not alone. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, this is a rare time that not only is the entire SU community surprised, but the entire country. Usually, right, internal expectations get too high, much like they were in the first two weeks. And I'll be the first to tell you, I was on that train. Right. Now, we'll get into this. We all were. We'll get into this, but I'm I'm not giving up hope just yet. But what I do want to say is, don't feel completely fooled. Don't feel completely fooled because everybody was fooled. The national people, the local people, and listen, I know you picked Maryland. No, but I mean, but you I didn't see a, that coming. I picked Maryland, but it was still appalling. I, I just the way they lost, and not when I say that, not that they lost by forty-three points. Yes, that was shocking. But the way they lost, I mean. The defense was the problem. The defense looked terrible. It was atrocious. I thought Maryland was going to win the game, and I thought it was basically a toss-up, like Vegas put it, two-point favorites. I guess the only people that saw it coming were the Sharps because they moved that right. line like crazy. And they're on Clemson already at 24.5. Yeah, that's already gone up. up. 28, so that's a great sign for week three. Right, as of Monday night, that's gone up three points. But I think everyone was surprised in the nature in which Syracuse lost. I thought it was going to be a Maryland win in an ugly game, kind of like Liberty, where offense is sluggish. And I said 2017 on our predictions, crystal ball predictions each week. (laughs) And Maryland scored 63 points. I mean, it's still baffling to say out loud. I may have picked a cuse, but at least I had Maryland scoring more points than you did. (laughs) You can hold on to that. At, At 24, I really... Really won that much. Yeah, four points you got me but by. But this is a national story. I mean, Solid Verbal, which is a great college football podcast. Anywhere you listen to The today. first thing they said, Maryland, 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 Maryland. And a reason that that's the case is because Syracuse was nationally ranked. Right. And we're sitting here watching an Orange team that's number 21 in the nation. Whoop, now they're barely receiving votes. They're tied for 37th in the country. And Maryland is number 21. What a crazy weekend. That's what happens when you look as bad as they did. They looked awful. And, Tim, it brought me back to a couple of years ago, really like Middle Tennessee State. We put this out to Fizz Nation. They got some right. good responses. Basically every pit game ever. Anyway, it was <laughs> it was that bad in terms of the defense. And it was just like, guys, were wide open. It was unbelievable. And I got to say, the Middle Tennessee one was really bad. The pit games were really bad. You name it. I mean, I think about Notre Dame and Louisville from three years ago when they just scored on the first play. But we knew they were bad then. That was four and eight teams, and we right. kind of expected them. It wasn't them. that surprising. It right. was just frustrating. This was, a now different, this was a different level of surprising. This felt like 
it was almost like we were watching a fraud, <laughs> right? Because they were right. Pre- and, I had and now them nine we and feel three. like frauds. And we do. I, I went on Fizz Radio, and I hope you listen to it. If you want to somehow go back, I have no no idea why you would. The shelf life on that episode was like <laughs> maybe twenty four hours. But if you did, what was catch it titled it, again? We appreciate you. How in the world is Maryland favorite? Right. That was the title. <laughs> so if you did catch it, we appreciate you listening. And also, don't judge me too bad. But then again, you were probably right there with me. Right. And that's the sad part about this is that we all saw nothing coming. And I said that basically the whole episode was talking about the defense and the D-line and the linebackers and the safety. That's As all last week was in general. And I was on there with Gil Gross, and I said, wow, you really go to every level. And, and what happened? I don't know. They I pitched mean, a shutout. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I mean, think about the fact I did a post-game show after this Maryland game, and we had a caller call in and say, I don't know if Brian Ward is the guy for the job. And I don't know if you said that exactly, uh, but yeah, something to that effect. Yeah, we might should title this Overreaction Monday. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I, I'm I, not I saying that. I felt that knee jerk from over here. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But the fact that a caller called in, as I said on the show, if someone had come up to me at 1130 that day and said, after a shutout against Liberty, first shutout in the Dino Babers era, first shutout since 2015, I think it was the first road shutout since the 90s for Syracuse. If someone had come up to me at 11.30, 30 minutes before the Maryland game on Saturday, and said, we're going to get a call in about six hours saying, is Brian Ward the right guy for the job? Right. And it's not that out of left field. I mean, it, it had some grounds. And you know if you're talking about a coordinator, it's either one of two things. Right. Either... He's up for a coaching job, or his unit played terribly. Yeah, and unfortunately, we're talking about the terrible aspect. But I would not have. I thought, if anything, we were leaning way more towards the is he up for a head coaching gig based right. on what they did in week. My one. story there is had some friends out betting legally out in <laughs> Vegas, and they were telling me, "Hey, Hop, what should we go for?" And I told them, "I like the Qs." Yeah, and I mean about. One o'clock, they were calling for my head. Right. I mean, I looked like a complete moron. And we all did. And that's the tough part about this game. We can sit here and break it down all we want, but the fact is they couldn't tackle and they couldn't cover. They couldn't do anything. I mean, the, the defense was inept. And part of, part of that is, to me, because the Syracuse offense was so slow out of the gate, I don't think that helped. Yeah, no I don't. Doubt. I really don't, because they were on the field constantly. Maryland coming off those 79 points. You needed to make a statement early, which is going to be crucial in this weekend's game, and it never happened, and the Mike Loxley train just kept on rolling. That's the thing. How much of that game for you was Maryland is actually really good? Maryland's a top 25 team and a force to be reckoned with in the Big Ten, and how much of it was holy cow, this defense can't stop anyone right now. Because I think it's a mixture of both, obviously. I'd love to tell you Maryland's really good. And as someone who believes in Syracuse, believes in that entire defense, and I still believe in those guys. It's still there. So that's why I'm (laughs) going to tell you Maryland's actually pretty good. And I really ragged on Josh Jackson. But you know what? Last year, it was a small sample size. He broke his leg, missed the rest of the season with Virginia Tech. Man, now he's back. I mean, he's got a chance in the Big Ten to make a statement. Yeah. And they've got a shot. I mean, they're, they're a 2-0 and club in the top 25. And Josh Jackson has proven early on to be a very capable quarterback. And McFarland's a great back as well. 
there's a lot of hype right now. It seems like all the hype has gone from Syracuse to Maryland. They've kind of just completely flip-flopped. The thing about the defense and why I feel like it just felt different than maybe a Middle Tennessee game is Brian Ward had the excuse with those games of, I don't have my personnel yet. This personnel just isn't that great, not that talented. This defense that Syracuse has and why it's been hyped up so much, they have NFL dudes basically at all three levels. You could definitely say defensive eh, line inside. Not at all three probably levels. Probably not the middle. But not at the middle. We knew that was a question mark. So rephrasing, I'd say they have NFL guys, period. They have an Andre Sisco. For who did, sure. Do, did get an interception, who's an NFL guy potentially. I think Melifonwood could be an NFL guy. You've got Frederick Robinson and Coleman. Possibly. Frederick's being talked about. They have so much more talent than any of those defenses from the past, and this is not a talent issue. If anything, I guess it's a scheme issue. I guess that's what you point to. And whatever it was, Mike Loxley came out with a game plan, and they didn't have to alter it one bit. And like you said, dudes were just wide open. I don't even want to sit here and break it down because it's baffling. I can't. It's sickening. I'm not qualified to break down what we saw. All I know is they were awful. I mean, it was terrible, and it was something, it was flashbacks, it was everything, and it's so frustrating because this game was the most important game in recent memory. Why? Because it was the game before the Clemson game. Now, maybe we, as a fan base, as media people, hyped this season up too much. I think that's fair to say. That is fair to say, but it's hard not to. And what's frustrating for me is there are the pieces... I don't feel like a fool for hyping this team up, and I don't think it's a lost season. And again, I'll say that over and over again. I don't think it's a lost season yet. It's still early. But these first two weeks have not been good. These first two weeks, Syracuse has not looked like a top 25 team, and they have not looked like an upper echelon team in the ACC. They've looked very average in the first two weeks at all phases. They've looked below average. I mean... I guess you could say the defense. Overall, I'd say they've, they've been average. That's my assessment. I oh, think I don't know. They're an average team right now, especially when you look at it in okay. the landscape of the ACC. You have a great but relative to what we expected, they have been way below They have average. not met expectations no. at all. Right. Expectations were above average. Now we're looking at average. Okay. And all the hype is lost. DeVito, he's been below average to average. Defense has been average. Why? They looked great in week one, and they looked awful in week two. So you can't really say they're terrible because they showed signs of being great. So don't let that recency bias. And I know it's Liberty who got beat by Louisiana. That's the thing. I mean, Liberty didn't have a coach, basically. But it's still what they did in week one, and I know it's going to get buried by week two. And it should get buried by (laughs) week two. Absolutely. Okay? But you've got to keep that in the back of your mind. And as Dino said, not as good as we were in week one. A lot of people are, you know, taking that quote the wrong way. He wasn't talking about in total. He was talking about just the defense. Right. As good as they were or as bad as they were in week two, hopefully they're somewhere in the middle. I think we knew the offensive line was a question mark. They did not Sam Heckle's injury did not help. No, but, I mean, injuries happen. you you got to live with that. But right off the bat, that's a tough blow. I mean, you're talking about a group that you can't even settle on, and then Heckle goes down week one and you don't have him week two. He's not even dressed. I mean, there's a reason that Ryan Alexander wasn't in the starting lineup week one. You bring up a point there. They can't settle on it. Why can't the coaching staff? They don't have it. Is there – 
should we be pointing blame a little bit at the coaching staff for shifting that line all no. throughout the camp? They're searching for the answer they don't have. If they but had why did the it answer, take so long? Why, I mean, isn't your job to be ready out. week one and week two? It's not panning out. That's my thing. If they had the answer and they knew the five, they would have thrown him out there in August and we sure. would have seen him the first two games. I mean, we got Alexander playing at guard. I mean, we, he played left tackle the whole he camp. He played right tackle and left tackle in that game. Right. They I mean, switched him and Vetterell. But that's my thing. I know it's not panning out, so maybe that's why they're making adjustments, but Dino said a week before Liberty, the first game, like, we're going to move things around, it's going to be in flux. Like, is that the best strategy? I know they didn't – I know that was an area of concern. You want to get the best guys out there, but it just feels like there's no continuity there, and at some point you just got to stick with your guys. First off – At some point it's a detriment. You do at some point have to stick with your guys, but when your starting center gets hurt week one – that's that going to continue to sure. ruffle the feathers. So it's I know what you're saying, but they've had to make changes because Heckle is now out. And right. Heckle, as Dino told us today, probably won't play this week. So they'll have to figure it out again against a talented, reloaded, but still talented Clemson defensive line. Right. I mean, they played good against the Clemson defensive line last year, but this is a completely different offensive line. I think that might be the biggest concern going forward in the season. Well, the best saying this year is that Tommy DeVito is the best pocket quarterback. But he was never in the pocket. pocket. (laughs) He's never in the pocket. Because he's flushed out and he's got people in his face. The O-line did not perform in week two. It's so true. Every performed in week one against a below-average Liberty team, way below average. Every time... On every drive, I feel like if I close my eyes and see Tommy DeVito passing right now, it's out of the pocket. I can't tell you how many times I've watched him roll out of the pocket and have to. And part of it's he's not staying in the pocket long enough. Part it's of been it's the he's perfect panicking. storm. DeVito, inexperienced, and an offensive line that is also somewhat inexperienced and trying to mesh. That's not a good conversation. Combination, I should say. And that's why those running backs were successful in week one. Those guys have some experience. Although the holes weren't that big, they were the guys that proved to be the difference in the offense. Week two, you get TJ, Tristan Jackson involved a little bit. He was the one silver lining. Silver lining. DeVito starts to pick it up. So now your hope is that he comes home and he can put it all together. But the problem is you're playing the best team in the nation. So you said Josh Jackson was pretty good. I think that goes without saying. Here's I'll give you two stat lines here and tell me. I'll just say quarterback A, quarterback B. And these are obviously DeVito and Jackson. But I'll read their two stat lines and tell me which one's better. 28 for 39, 330 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception, one fumble. Again, 28 for 39, 330, three touchdowns, one pick, one fumble. 21 for 38, this is quarterback B, 21 for 38, 296 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. It's DeVito's, which is the first one. Right. You still think he, even with the fumble, I mean, the point is, it's not It's more not accurate, like he was not putting up good stats. No, he played well overall. He wasn't the problem. The fact is, they were down in the first quarter. The game was over. Yeah. And you said the offense started out slow. He did not look good on the first two drives, and that's what you can't helped go get three and down. out. Uh, three and out, and then the on the road are awful. Three and out on the road gets the crowd energized. 
it rewards the team for deferring to the second half. It, it's not a good combination. And then the Maryland team comes out and scores a touchdown on seven of their first eight drives. Right. And, and you're they, thinking, here we go again, another touchdown, another touchdown. And then you're just done. You're out of it. I will say two things that don't really show up in DeVito's stat sheet there. The two turnovers came in the first half when they were still technically within the game or within reach. And they also came in enemy territory, which gave them a very short field. And there were two very bad turnovers. The pick was awful and the fumble was not good at all in the second drive of the game. The other thing is he was just erratically inconsistent. And like I tweeted, he was occasionally great, not consistently good. The opposite of what Dino Babers is preaching. He would make some passes and it's even more infuriating because we know it's in there. He's had a disappointing start to the year. Absolutely. And it's because you see him throw a dime on a deep ball. You see him make a nice pass to Sean Riley for a touchdown. He'll orchestrate a drive in this Maryland game. And it's like, where is that? Like, just loosen up. Like, show me that. We were maybe, obviously, we were too optimistic. Yep. I'll say that. But again, I think a lot of the optimism was warranted. It wasn't just like, oh, DeVito, we'll throw him in there and, you know, things will pick up right where they left off back in December. Something I pointed out, this team has lost an edge with no Eric Dungy. I think that was undervalued. A guy that can go out and get the first down. Your spiritual leader, your vocal leader, a guy the team rallies around. Right? DeVito doesn't really have that. I'm not blaming DeVito for his lack of production because, like you said, the stats were pretty good. He's just not Eric Dungy. And I think we're seeing now the value of a guy like Dungy to carry this team and to go out there and lead the charge. Another point that people brought up on that front this week is Dungy was kind of disguising the offensive line struggles for a while. And maybe that offensive line wasn't quite as good as we thought just because Dungy I'm was I'm not going to so... sit here and say, though, the offensive line is has been the worst unit on the team. No, but I think we Not knew it was a question game, mark. Either game was the offensive line the main problem. No, no, but I mean everything was bad in this Maryland game that I don't really think. Right, it's. I'm not saying it was good. I'm just not going to sit. I, I'm not buying the fact that the O line is the reason for Devito's struggles. Let's I think put it's it this part way. of it. But you did the tape in week one. He just missed a lot of open. No, passes. yeah, I I would say it's week one especially was more on Devito. Week two, he played well in spurts. He played really bad in spurts, so it's hard to say. But put it this way. The offensive line came into the season as the biggest question mark, and I'd say they've been— The key to the season, as Dino said. Right. In case you haven't heard that a thousand times. (laughs) Exactly. And I'd say, if you ask Dino right now, they've underperformed slightly, if anything. They haven't overperformed. They've been through a lot. So they came in as— As Dino said, it was a frustrating camp. All the injuries. Right, but they came in as, quote-unquote, the weakest unit, the biggest key to the season, the biggest question mark, and if anything, they've underperformed. So to me— Certainly haven't overperformed. Right. So to me, that is still a huge question mark. And I think all the talk this week, rightfully so, is going to be about the defense. But I'm maybe even more worried about the offensive line in terms of the long-term, big-picture outlook of the season. I get what you're saying, but you can't be more concerned about the O-line— than Brian Ward's defense. Well, okay. I mean, maybe maybe it's hard to say because the defense was so, so bad. Right. <laughs> I mean, the defense it's is hard on to put anything behind field. it. All I'm trying to say— I'm, I'm, I'm here saying that 
the question now, obviously, is how much of an outlier was this? Right. To me, I think it's a significant outlier. The question is, which game was the outlier for the defense, Liberty or Maryland? It's got to be Maryland. You'd hope. If the defense <laughs> if not, is that long bad, season. you're looking at a four-win team again. Yeah. I mean, and I always think in college football, you need to score the football regardless in this day and age because teams are scoring. And I don't care how good your defense is. Clemson would put up points on any defense in, in the Carrier Dome on Saturday. And, and I know Syracuse's defense might look entirely different, and maybe they will just come in and run the score up. Who knows? We'll get into Clemson a little bit. But I think offense still has to be better than how it has been playing. For a sure. lot better. That's a no-brainer. And because the defense can only be so good and help you so much in this day and age in college football. Offensive line has got to be better. It does. But I don't think it's been atrocious. The worst thing we've seen was the defense last week. And we, we don't need to sit here and, and beat that drum. But you're right. The offensive line, if it doesn't get any better, they will win very few games. The O-line needs to come out on Saturday and dominate the line of scrimmage and move the ball because the running game is going to be crucial for DeVito because they're going to really drop guys back and make it difficult for him. They're certainly not going to load the box. I can tell you that. (laughs) There's no reason to think they're going to have to load the box. Right. But I ask you, how do you readjust your expectations? Because almost everybody, and I know you were flirting with going with less than nine wins, but you went with nine. I went with nine. (laughs) I went with ten and Orange Bowl. Syracuse.com. Credible reporters, Nate Meek, Stephen Bailey, Bryn Axe. They How about all from said a national Orange Bowl. stage, Athlon Sports, Orange, Orange Bowl. Bowl. Right. All these it's, outlets, all these people. It's just sad. It, it's like a bandwagon effect. Now, is the Orange Bowl completely off the table? No. It's pretty close, though. Is man. it pretty close? Sure. And I get what you're saying, but the bottom line is here, here's, what, here's what makes that loss so tough. What makes the loss tough is outside of Clemson, who you get this weekend, you probably won't play a ranked team the rest of the season. Right. That's the only ranked team on their schedule right now. I mean, they're not so playing UNC. Your they might be ranked at this rate. Sam Howell might go to the CFP. He might be the Orange Bowl team. Phenomenal freshman. Where's your chance to gain ground back? Running the right. table? You've got to win. Because the Orange Bowl goes to the next highest team that's not in the playoffs, which theoretically could be Clemson if they don't make the playoffs, seems unlikely. So the way other teams are playing right now, and this has been a theme, so I just want to stick on it for a second. North Carolina, Virginia, heck, Boston College looks pretty good. Anthony Brown is is putting pie in our faces. Uh, (laughs) Those are teams you got to watch out for. Those are teams that are going to go to the Orange Bowl. I mean, right now, Virginia is the heavy favorite to go to the Orange Bowl. Yeah. So, But, but let's forget the Orange no, Bowl. No, we shouldn't For, be talking it. about the Orange Bowl. <laughs> that was almost not a pipe dream, but that was best-case scenario. I will say, though, after week one, it looked a lot better because you mentioned the teams that are playing well. The teams that aren't playing well, Miami, Virginia Tech, I mean, these are thoroughbreds, but Florida State, you lost a lot of teams off of the f- potential Orange Bowl, but let's not talk Orange so Bowl. So let's That's reassess ridiculous. where we're at right now. If you had to change your number from nine, Ugh. would you drop it? And if oh so, God, how yeah. far? I, you have to drop it. After what we saw, I'd say seven. But let's not overreact. Eight. That's I want to make sure. I'm not but... saying 
I just don't want you to overreact, and I don't want people out there to overreact either because they're probably going to be one and two. But let's keep in mind the schedule that they have. It's not tough. Let's keep in mind that schedule. Western Michigan, Holy Cross, probably two wins. NC State, that's a tough game. That's a huge game now. It is. It could completely turn the tables and get you back on track because then after that, Pitt at home, I'll take any home game the rest of the season, and I I like my chances. On the road, Florida State, I mean, shoot, they almost lost to who? Monroe, whoever they were playing? (laughs) I mean, they could have lost. They should have. They they won in in overtime on a missed extra point. You really scared about that? I mean, Duke, Louisville. Now, trust me, Duke and Louisville, they're all winnable at this point, and they're all losable. I, I understand that. But the schedule is friendly enough that you could get to eight wins, I won't say easily. I'd say eight's my take, number. It wouldn't take that much, even if you lose to Clemson. I'd say my new number is eight. You agree? I mean, I think just going through the schedule, and that's optimistic at this point, is eight wins, I'd say. Some people are probably listening saying, how could you even say that? But this team's going to grow. It's still just week two. This team is still young. You've got a new quarterback, a new offensive line, new linebackers, all these areas of question mark concern that we're talking about, they're going to get better, at least a little bit. And you'd anticipate them to get better actually pretty considerably from week two to week seven, week eight, when you're playing a Florida State, when you're playing a Duke on the road, those type of games. Clemson comes to town next week. Game day does not. As someone pointed out, they were probably headed to Ames somewhere around, I don't know, third <laughs> touchdown for Maryland, maybe yeah. end of the first quarter. Whoever tweeted that, very funny, had me laughing when I needed it most on Saturday night. Game day's out. It's still a huge week on campus. It's a massive week. The Dome is likely going to be filled. I think Wild Hack said they had like 200 tickets left. It's going to be – It'll be filled. He wouldn't say 50,000. He he wouldn't commit to it. Mm -hmm. But it's still an environment. It's still a huge game. And I don't want to say it, but Clemson, and, and this might be bad, Clemson has not looked great to start yeah, they, the year, especially offensively. I mean, they're 30th right now in terms of passing. I really don't think my expectations or chances Syracuse beats Clemson drop that considerably. There's still a world where I think they play like the team we know they're capable of playing. It all rests on Tommy DeVito's shoulders, and I feel a lot less comfortable in that than I probably would have three, four weeks ago. Like, they need DeVito to come out slinging. They need to, if if you get the coin toss, receive. Well, they need the O-line. They need everything. They need everything to be Clemson, sure. But you have to score on the first drive. You have to keep the dome energy in it. And I think if you don't, then it's probably a lost cause. But the thing with DeVito is you can just see – it's in there, and he just needs the confidence boost. And you thought Liberty was going to be that confidence boost game going into a big game against Maryland, and he didn't get it. So then he went into Maryland with still a little weight on his shoulders, and he played like it. Those first two drives were awful. And then he loosened up a little bit. He saw a couple good plays, and he started slinging it like we saw him pass against Florida State. And see, now, I'm not saying it wasn't the entire time. I mean, he still was inconsistent, but... I still see a world where DeVito plays really well against Clemson if he starts out well. It's so important that he starts out well. Let's say they beat Maryland. 
How do you approach that game? Well, you're thinking to yourself, all right, we're 2-0. and We're a top 20 team in the country. We've got Clemson coming in. Man, we've played them tight the past couple of years. Plus, we got game day. We got the Dome. Yeah. We're feeling like on top of the world. And Clemson, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has already thrown three picks. Let's get after him. Is he that good? You know, maybe you get too confident as a team. The biggest difference now in this Clemson game, and I agree with you, it's still a huge game, regardless of what happened. But the biggest difference is a Syracuse fan's perspective going into this game now is they're nervous for the reason that they don't want to get blown out. They don't want to get exposed on national TV again. Whereas maybe three weeks ago, you were nervous for the Clemson game because you thought you might actually beat Clemson. You were going in thinking, wow, this is our chance. I'm nervous because I want them to deliver when they have the chance and play well against Clemson again. And I've seen them do it in the past, and I have confidence. Now it's people were saying, I don't even want game day to come. I don't want to see us get blown out in front of game day, which I don't know if I agree with that because game day is cool and it's a lot of positives to it. But that's the biggest difference. Now the mindset going into that game, there will be plenty of fans that are still very eager to go, but they're just way more worried that it's a blowout. It's more of a business trip. And I know it's not a trip, but that's just what I'm going to say about it. Because you can bet Dino Babers has talked with this team and they've dropped back down to reality. And they know the task at hand. They still know all the good things. They know they can play with them. They know what Clemson maybe hasn't done great to start the season. And they know they're a good team because you know that locker room is not going to give up on themselves after one awful game. That's just not how it works, especially after everything they've been through this summer and so much bonding, it seems like. And it's such a great summer, New Jersey's, everything. They're not going to give up on one another, and that cannot be undervalued. Plus, they will listen to everything their coaches are saying because they know they got their butts whooped last week. And like you said, this is a primetime game. Let's not forget that. This is the first time that, and I saw this, it's kind of a weird nugget, only a TV junkie would really find it interesting. (laughs) The sky cam that you see at football games. NBC starting to use it more and more. That's never come here? It's never been in the Dome. And it's making its first appearance in the Dome Saturday night. Why? It's Saturday, primetime football, ABC, Kirk Herbstreet is the analyst. I mean... Do you think Kirk Herbstreet's ever called a game in the Dome? I doubt it. I don't think he has. I mean, no, maybe he's been here. I doubt but... it because it, it, it had been 20 years. Right. And I don't think he was doing it. Yeah, he might have been. He's He's been there a while. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll have to ask him if, right. if we run into him. But I would say that's how big this game is. This isn't, you know, ESP. This is ABC... This is a, the biggest production of the week that ESPN does. Absolutely. And it's coming to Syracuse. There's not a ton of good games on Saturday night. Be a lot of eyes on the Dome. So it's still a huge platform, and it's an opportunity to show people we're better than we were last week because we know you know what happened in that game. I think there's a case to be made, too, that this team is going – that was a wake-up call to a degree. I mean, it had to be, right? And I sure hope they're, so. They're going to practice as hard as they've ever practiced this week. We can definitively say that. Now, I'm not much of a believer in the take like, oh, we just worked harder than you or we won because we put in more effort. Everyone works hard every single week. If you're a competitor, if you're an athlete, if you're at this level, 
They, it's not like they, yeah, they kind of quit at the end of the Maryland game, but it's not like they just didn't work hard enough to beat Maryland. They just got outplayed. They got outmatched, outcoached, out everything. But with more urgency now going in this Clemson game, they will put in way more work maybe than last week in this week of practice. And I don't know. I mean, you see that in the NFL a lot where a team comes back from a humiliating loss and they come into another game and they just look like a different team because there's more urgency. There's more of the week of practice paid off. Maybe that will be the case for Syracuse. Do you think your chances of SU winning went down dramatically? No, because the only reason they would would be if you needed the confidence to say, hey, we can play with these guys. We know but they already kind. know that. They, yeah. they know that. And there's guys on the roster that have, that have done it. There's guys on the roster that have beaten them. That's a good point. So that's the only way that you almost build up the confidence. It would be like if you're, you know, random ACC school and you get Alabama. Duke went into that game week one, not only with not the best roster and a quarterback that's relatively inexperienced and, and all that stuff, I mean, you've got to be scared to play Alabama. Absolutely. And that's just human nature. No one on the roster would tell you, but you don't want to go down to Alabama, and you think the game the game's over before it's even played. That's the old football analogy. You know, I don't know which team it was, maybe the Hurricanes or the Cowboys back in the day. They won the games before the ball was even kicked off <laughs> because you're just scared. But no one's scared of Clemson. And to me, losing only gets you more motivated and more willing to prove what you can do. I mean, the defense has everything to prove. Tommy DeVito has everything to prove. The O-line, who doesn't have something to prove on this team right now? Everyone. The coaches, everybody. Tristan Jackson, maybe, but he's I mean, the coaches. Dino Babers said that they weren't ready last week. Well, Dino Babers also said that first week he was kind of taken out of it. Because of the Hugh Freeze thing. So Dino Babers wants to show what he can do. Pull some cards out of the hat. Give some formations. I mean, he's going he's gonna to pull stuff out of the hat, man. He's going to throw some trick plays at him. He's going to do something. I think they have a shot. I mean, I don't I mean, maybe we so just— So you think they cover a 28-point spread? I think they will cover, yeah. Now, That's there's a still, lot of points. There, there's still a world where they just get blitzed like they did against Maryland and— Honestly, I don't know if I can take it To me, it again. 28's insulting. And you know why? Because Duke and Alabama, the game I just referenced, that was like 33, 30 points, 33, right. not that far off. How do we get here? at Bama, you know, right? And that's, that's all sports are. It's knee-jerk. It's knee-jerk. And, oh, yeah, the Sharps are on Clemson because, you know, Syracuse was awful last I don't know. I mean, on one hand, it could be like the Georgia Tech – to Duke basketball experience last year. I haven't I don't decided think they're on a win, score. But... I don't think they're going to win either. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not going to go out on a limb after what I predicted last week. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I haven't decided on a score either. We'll get to that later. But, I mean, point is, the season's not lost. I think we agree that there's still reason to just pump the brakes a little bit. Of course it's not lost. It's, it's been week two. two. Games. It's week two. Right, and it was an ugly week, But too. at the same time, what the hell just happened? Right. Well, we will have full coverage of Clemson, and uh, we'll be there live tweeting and everything. Be sure to follow us at Orange Fizz. That'll do it for this edition of the FizzCast. For Jonathan Hoppy. I'm Tim Leonard. Thanks for listening, as always, and we'll catch you next time.